Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you. And for those of you that are new with us, my name is Casey. So grateful that we get to share this moment together. And for those of you that are watching online, we're so grateful to join you wherever you are. And uh, hey, Westside, in our manner that we normally do, let's welcome those that are new with us as well as those that are watching online. Will you do that with me? We are so grateful that you're here and we get to be together. Yeah. So we are in week two of this series called Put a Bit in It. And we are talking about how your words, our words, have influence. Uh, They have influence for the good and they have influence for the bad. See, your words influence your spouse, if you haven't realized this by now. They influence your spouse for the good and they influence your spouse for the bad. Your words influence your kids as parents for the good. And your words can influence your kids for the bad. As a, in, in the workspace, your words have influence. You can influence your colleagues and your employees for the good and for the bad. See, your words influence those who hear them, those who listen to them, those are within earshot of them or they can read them. And your words spoken or written influence for the good or for the bad. And this is the series, that big idea, we've been coming from this verse. We got it from this verse in our series, Big Idea. It's Ephesians chapter four. And this is what Paul said to a church in Ephesus. He said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And last week I told you to circle that word unwholesome. Well, today you're gonna understand why that word is so important. He said, don't let any unwholesome talk, and that word means rotten or bad. As Christ followers, you should not have unwholesome talk coming from your mouth, but only, and he says only, like there's no in between in this, but only what is helpful to building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. See, we want our words, our good words, our not our unwholesome words, but our good words to benefit others, to be words that are helpful to others, that build them up according to their needs so that it may benefit them, so that all who hear it may be benefited by it. So everyone who hears it will be benefited by it. And here's a serious big idea that we're looking at, that your words have power and you are responsible to harness them for the benefit of others. Your words have power. Our words collectively have power. And each of us as Christ followers are responsible. And for those of you that may, you may be not a Christ follower, I, you're gonna see today that your words have power. And every one of us have the, the, have the, that we are responsible for our words. And for, especially for those of us, of, of us as Christ followers. And we must harness those words for the benefit of others. Now, last week we looked at how Paul and these other New Testament writers, specifically James, the half brother of Jesus, would take the law of Christ and apply it to our words. This law of Christ, which is to love others as Christ has loved us, to love others. And Jesus would say on the night before he would go to the cross, a new command I give you. And this would become the new law of Christ, this new law that would be the new law that the the first century church and the church from hereafter would take every one of our actions from this new law of Christ to love others as Jesus 
has loved us. And they would take this new law of Christ, this law of Christ, and they would teach Jesus' teachings and teach the people in the first century, the first century church, how they should treat one another and live out the new law of Christ. And, and, and they would teach them how to use their words in this. And here's one of Jesus' teachings. I want to jump right into one of Jesus' teachings this morning um, that, that where I believe they got a lot of direction for what influences our words. It's in Matthew chapter 13. If you, ever, if you have your Bible, open up to that. And let me just set some context as we jump into this. So it, this, Jesus would use his words to heal a crippled man's hand. I mean, he would use his words to bring healing to a crippled man's hand. And that wouldn't be controversy, controversial. The thing that made this controversial is the day he did it and where he did it. He did this on the Sabbath day, which was supposed to be a day of rest. And so the Pharisees, the religious leaders, considered this work. And he did it in the temple of all places. I mean, the most sacred space of all places on the most sacred day, a day set aside for rest. And, and Jesus was doing work on this day. And this made the Pharisees, the religious leaders, so mad that they created a plot at that moment to kill Jesus. Well, Jesus is aware of this, exits the, the, their, their presence and begins to take a journey. As he's doing this, the crowd follows behind him. As the crowd gathers, because as wherever Jesus went, a crowd would follow. And as Jesus was doing, he was healing people along the way. I remind you, this is a sad that he's still doing this. And they were even bringing demon-possessed people, people under oppression and, and, and possession of demons, and they would bring them to Jesus. Jesus would heal them. And then the Pharisees get together, these, these religious elite would say that he's casting demons out by the power of Beelzebul. And this was the prince of demons that they called the, the one that's in charge of all the demons. He was doing this under that power. And the religious leaders would use their words to accuse Jesus of doing this. And this is how Jesus responds. You ready for this? Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Apple trees are recognized by their apples. Orange trees are recognized by their oranges. Oak trees are recognized by the oak leaves. I mean, we get this. And in this word here, I mean, in this phrase, remember that word unwholesome that I said take notice of last week and this morning? This is the same word that Jesus uses for bad. It's the same word. It's just the English writers would, have, would translate it in, in different ways so we understand the, the, kind of the meaning of this. And so Jesus is saying, don't let any, out of the, out of, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree unwholesome or rotten or bad and its true fruit will be rotten, unwholesome, or bad. And this is what Jesus would say next, using his words to say something very strong, something I wouldn't recommend you, recommend you husbands, saying this to your wives. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Now, let me remind you, this is the religious elite. This is the elite that people looked at the religious elite here and, they, and, and thought they were, they were agents of good and not workers of evil. They were actually against evil in the cultural understanding. And Jesus tells them, no, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Let me say that again. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Another translation um, would say this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of the overflow of what's in you is what comes 
out of you. Out of the overflow from what is inside of you is what comes out. A good man, he would go on to say, brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of this evil stored up in him. But I tell you, and I want you to know this is heavy, okay? So I just brace for this. I tell you, everyone, not just you Pharisees, you religious elite, everyone in earshot, everyone who's ever going to listen to this, everyone who's ever going to read this, and everyone in general who doesn't even read this, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. That's heavy, isn't it? I mean, just let this sit in for a second. This is heavy for me. I mean, this was heavy for them too. And this is heavy for us. Every empty word. And then this is what he says. For by your words, understand the weight of this. By your words, every word, every empty word, every word you say, you will either be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. You're going to give an account, he says, for every empty word. And by your words, you'll be acquitted. And by your words, you'll be condemned. And, and he's saying this in light of eternity. Like, and, and, and so one, we need to recognize that Jesus says there's a day of judgment coming. He's going to be the judge. And we need to live in and be mindful of this. This is not something just to say, oh, that's not going to happen. No, this is a true thing. Jesus speaks of this. And we need to understand that by your words, you're going to be acquitted or set free or justified. And by your words, you're going to be condemned. Now, we know this in our now in age. I mean, how many of us have seen us, hey, we just said the right thing and that set us free in a conversation, in a relationship. Or we said something and it just destroyed or brought death to a relationship. Or we said something that brought death to a situation. See, we know this in the temporary, but you know, Jesus applies us to the eternal right here. And in this, what we do, we need to recognize that we're gonna give an account for every empty word, that word empty is the same word James uses in James chapter two, verse 20. And it's translated there as useless. And he says, faith without deeds is youth useless. And, and here are two things I just want to point in this. I mean, there's so many things in this passage, but as we look at the words, I want to point out two specific things. First is this, your heart influences what you say. Your heart influences what you say. You need to recognize, we need to take, recognize, we all need to recognize that our heart is the source of all, of each and every word you say. Whether you like this or not, this is what Jesus says, not me. And he is the authority on life. In fact, the reason I believe he's the authority in life is because he came back to life and because he came back to life. He is the authority on life. And when he says this, we need to listen to this. Our heart it influences everything we say. And Jesus also mentions that you and I are held responsible for every word we speak. We are responsible. You are responsible for every word you speak. You know, in case you don't understand, I was under a lot of pressure. No, 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 no. See, it's not the circumstances fault. 
You don't know what she said that just triggered that. You know, if he wouldn't have said that, I would never, no, 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 no. Jesus said, no, it's not them. It's you. Your heart is responsible. You are responsible for every word you speak. It's your heart's fault and you are responsible. See, Matthew then would go on to, to share, you know, the teachings of Jesus and he would come to another chapter in, in, in his writing and he would include this in chapter 15 because he wants you and I to understand and Jesus wants you and I to understand how important our heart is to our words. Your heart is so important to your words. And in this, the, the, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they were trying to accuse Jesus and Jesus points out their fault. So what they're doing is, is they're trying to accuse Jesus and his disciples of washing with unclean hands and, and not going through the ceremonial washing. And so they're saying, Jesus, why don't you do this? Why don't you wash hands? And Jesus, um, this is how he responds. He goes, you hypocrites. I mean, earlier he called them brood of vipers. And now listen to how he's using his words, pointing out their fault. You hypocrites, you two-faced people, you, you actors, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people, now look at this, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Earlier, Jesus said out that it's our hearts that produce our words. And here Jesus is saying that your words don't line up with your hearts because your hearts are far from me. He goes on to say, they worship me in vain. It's empty. It's nothing. Use meaningless. Their teachings are merely human rules because the ceremonial washing was not the, uh, the, the Mosaic law, was not connected to the law that God gave Moses. This was something that the, the tradition of Israel said. You're, you're held by tradition, not by what is God ordained. And in this, they, 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 Jesus called to the crowd to them and said something. So he's speaking to the Pharisees and now he calls to the crowd. He looks at the crowd. And if you and I were there, he would look at us at this moment. <laughs> and he would say um, to them, listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And Jesus addresses this. And, and then G the disciples came to Jesus and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this, I mean, I mean, can you imagine this moment? Of course they're offended. I would be offended too if I were the Pharisees. And, and Jesus says some very offensive things to them, but he's perfect. And he, he, he says this to them. He goes, he goes do you, the disciples go, do you know they were offended by what you say? And then he replied, every plant that my heavenly father has planted will be pulled up, by, that, that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots leave them behind, leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And Peter in this moment, which I would have been like Peter, okay, explain this to me. And then Jesus says, are you so dull? <laughs> I love the humor. I mean, it, when Matthew was there, I bet he snickered. At least I would have. Um, and Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body. I mean, he gives them this biology lesson. And, and, and then Jesus says this, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. See here, he goes into a list of things that come from, can I just be real? 
from the monster that's inside of all of us. He goes, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands, that does not defile them. That just makes your food dirty. See, what you think and what you say and what you do are all products, he's saying, of your hearts. And what's Jesus doing? He's driving something home. See, changing your thoughts, changing your thoughts, changing what you say in your words and changing your behaviors, guess what? You can't change all of those things to change your heart. You may try all day long. You may try all day long to control your words, control your thoughts, and control your actions, but they can't change. You can't change your heart by controlling it. You can't. And we need, what you see, changing our thoughts and words and actions and behaviors does not change our hearts. We need new hearts. We need new hearts to change what we think, our attitudes. We need new hearts to change what we say, our words. And we need new hearts to change our behaviors, our actions. That's the heart, pun totally intended, of the matter. And here's a teaching big idea for today. See, what you say and what you do need to come from a heart that's made new. Everything you think, everything you say, everything you do, it needs to come from within. It needs to come from a heart that is made new because what comes out of you is coming from within you and we need to recognize this. Because of the revelation of who Jesus is and his teaching to us, we now can live in a new way. We live from what is within. See, Jesus here is getting to the center and the core of it all. We are defiled not by what we put into our body, but what comes out of our body. We are defiled by what comes out of our hearts through our attitudes. We are defiled by what comes out of our words through what we say. We are defiled by our actions, by how we behave. See, what you say is a reflection of a broken or defiled heart and defiled heart, or it is a reflection of a heart that's been made new. And guess what? Everything that you say, think, and do is your responsibility. And, and, and G- James, the, the, the half-brother of Jesus, would take this responsibility, take this, this teaching of Jesus of where we need to now be responsible and understand that everything we think, say, and do comes from this heart that's made new. And he would, through the Holy Spirit's uh, inspiration, teach the church how to live. And he would write this book through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. He would write this book that we, we would now call James. And through the miracle that's been preserved through this time, it's one of the most practical ways that you can live out, of your, live out your faith, live out of the new heart that God has given you. And James would, remember last week we opened up the James and he would write and he would say something very harsh. And I just want to go back to this. It's not in your notes. But in verse 26, he would say, those who consider themselves religious, but do not keep a tight rein on their tongue. He said, he, what did he say? Do you remember that? He would say, they deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. It's idle. It ain't going anywhere. It's impotent. 
And James would go on to write this about our words. In James chapter 3, he said, Not many of you, and this is serious. I take this serious every week. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. You know why I believe he said that? Because by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. I'm accountable for everything I share to you. And then he goes and says, we all stumble in many ways. I mean, we all stumble. I mean, this is part of life. We all stumble. And look what he says next. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Wait, James, don't you mean nobody who is ever at fault in what they do is perfect? No, James says, no, I was right. Um, the Holy Spirit inspired this. No, no one, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. And look what the, the result is. Able to keep their whole body in check. See, yes, we all stumble. You're going to stumble. This, this Christian faith, we're going to stumble. We're, we're going we're, we're to fall short of Jesus' standard to love others the way he has loved us and God through Christ has loved us. We're going to fall short of this. We're going to stumble. And it, what we do, we pick up and we go forward. And in this, as we stumble, we, we, we got to realize that, hey, we, we're going to be at fault. But he who is never at fault in what they say and it is the person who is perfect, the one who speaks responsibly, who understands that their words come from within, that takes responsibility and makes sure that it builds others up for the benefit of others, that it, it, it is helpful and, and, it's, and it's one that is in truth and love. And, and, and this, is some, this is the person who, is, says, who can control their tongue. There is something about this being able to control your words because of this right here. Those who have control over their words have control over their actions. You can control your words. You can control your actions. If you have the self-discipline to control what you say, James, according to him, says that you'll be able to keep your whole body in check. And you know the reason is this? Because when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have been made new. This is what being born again is all about. When you First, put your trust in Jesus. When you put your trust in Jesus and, and you receive his forgiveness, in that moment, you are born again. There is a new life that you are. There is a new creation that you are in that moment. And in that moment, you are made new. And now God gives you a brand new heart. Does that mean you're going to have all these desires? They're all going to be pure and all? No. Because you have this still, and Paul would talk about this in Romans 6 and 7, we still have this struggle within us. As long as we're in this body, we're going to feel the things that we feel. We're going to be driven to certain things that don't honor Christ. And we got to take control of that. And you can't take control of that unless your heart is being made new. And because the Holy Spirit is now inside of you, you are now made new. You are now born again. And this new heart, the Holy Spirit in you gives you what Paul would tell Timothy, that you now have power, love, and self-discipline. To the church in Galatia, Paul would say, this is the fruit of the Spirit, this fruit of the Holy Spirit alive in you, the fruit of a new life in Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have self-control. 
And because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are made new. And out of the heart that's in you, you can control your words and you can control your behavior. Well, Casey, I, I just, I have this inclination or I just have this, d- d- no, you're, you're not under that control anymore. You're not under that power. You need to be made new. You need to live out of the power of the Holy Spirit that's making you new, not driven by the desires of your selfishness or your flesh or what you think is innate and you were born with and all that. No, no, see, maybe you have a propensity and you, God gifted you with the tongue. Yes, he did, but it wasn't to be a tongue for bad. It's a tongue that he wants to shape for evil. The things you do, the things you have a propensity to do need to now come from a heart that's made new. And James would elaborate. We put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. So small bit in a big, strong horse can turn the strong horse. And then James changes the metaphor. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Small rudders steal large ships under the power of strong winds, under the direction of where the pilot wants to go. What's the pilot behind your words? Is it a heart that's made new? Is it a heart that made is made new because your heart will influence everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do. James would go on, likewise, he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what great forest, a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now you know what this is. You've been in those conversations. You've been in that work spot place and you've been in that meeting or you've been in that family reunion when someone just said that one thing and boom, the party's over. You've been there. Maybe you were the reason. And in this, what James says, he says this, the tongue is also, you need to realize this. This is about you. This is to the church. This isn't to the unbeliever. This is to the people of God. Your tongue, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by James gets so dramatic here and goes to an extreme to let you know how important your words are. He uses his written word to share how important this is. See, your words, no matter the platform, written or spoken, your words, no matter the audience, your words have great power. And your words have great power and they need to be, un, they need to be, they, they, they have the power to control and you need to have the power to control it with a bit, like a bit. You need to have, to be able to direct it with a rudder. You need to be able, and you need to recognize that your words have the power to destroy like a fire. Your words are that powerful. Small words make a big difference. Each and every one of your words, every word you speak, how you say every word you speak makes a big difference. The question is, is how will you choose what kind of difference you will make with your words? 
How will you choose in light, in light of what Jesus has done for you, in light of what he has done for you and given you a new heart? What, what kind of difference will you make with your words? How are you going to choose in light of God's mercy toward you? How are you going to live? How are you going to use your words and live out out of his mercy and his view of you? That you're not going to live out of other people's view of you. You're going to live in light of his view of you. How are you going to use your words to live in light of that? In light of the new heart that he has gifted you, that you did not have to earn, that you received by his grace alone. You couldn't ever be good enough. You couldn't say enough things to change your heart, but he changed your heart for you. And you can live out of the overflow of the new life in Christ. See, how will you choose what kind of difference your word will make? He goes on to say, all kinds of animals, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But look at this, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow. That's harsh. My tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. No, I think James says this and speaks this hard word that maybe offends you because you think, no, that's not me. No, yes, it is. He says this because he wants you to realize the important truth that Jesus taught. Reality is this. No human can tame the tongue. You can try. You can try. I mean, I've tried. You know what? I've done a pretty good job. And then all of a sudden, I'll say something, and I'll go, oh, why did I say that? Because no human being can tame the tongue. This is the reason you'll be doing so good. And out of nowhere, you're going to say something that you regret because no human being can tame the tongue. This is why you say something to your spouse. And at the moment you say it, as you were saying it, as it was coming out of your mouth, you knew that it wasn't wholesome. It wasn't beneficial. And it was definitely not going to help or build them up. But you said it anyway. This is why. You, you, when you're with, at work and, and what you say at work to your boss or your employee, you knew it wasn't right, but you felt so much better after you said it. But the situation didn't get better. In fact, the relationship dissolved. Because you used your words. See, no human being can tame the tongue. So what hope to we have. See, no human being can tame the tongue. So James, why are you saying this? Well, I, he goes, I believe he's pointing back to Jesus' teaching. See, only the Holy Spirit can make us new and give us the discipline we need to speak life with every word we speak. Only the Holy Spirit can give you a new heart. Because if it comes from your heart, guess what? It's only the Holy Spirit that can make your heart new. You have no control over that. No human being can tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit can. No human being, being no human that's living, can take control 
of the tongue. That's why we need to have a heart that's made new. This is why we need to allow the Holy Spirit to make us new every day. You need a heart that is made new and you need to live from the finished work of Christ for you. What Jesus has done for you, this is what makes us new. Living from the finished work of Jesus for us. (laughs) <laughs> that every moment, that, that every time that I think through, okay, as I, Jesus will love me, how do I speak words? As Jesus has done this toward me, yes, he would speak harsh things for me, but how would he do it? That's how I speak to others. Only the spirit of God can make you new. And we need to speak from that finished work. And this is why it's so important to follow Jesus on an everyday basis. Because every day that you follow Jesus, you are being made new. That's why I love what Paul says to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians, in his follow-up letter in 5 verse 17. You can look it up later. But he says, but if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation creation. Behold, the old man keeps on dying and the new life has come. It is here. And it's in the way he says it is in this participle. It's in this continuing thing. The old person, the more you follow Jesus, the more you remain in Jesus, the more the old part of you, that old heart of yours keeps moving away from you. And the life that's God's given you the new heart, you're going to live from that new heart because everything you think, say, and do now comes from the life that is in you. This is what it means to remain in Jesus, to be in Christ and be continually made new. And then James continues, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have made, been made in God's likeness. (laughs) We've all done that. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear frigs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We can use our words to be springs that bring fresh life to people. You and I are responsible for this. And so out of our new life should come life-giving words. So three things I want to leave you with, and then I want us to sing together and reflect on this. One, we will choose words that bring life. So we will choose words that bring life. With every word you speak, will you take the responsibility to bring life with your words? See, what would it look like for us as Christ followers to choose every word and make sure it it reflects a new heart in Christ? What would it look like? What would it look like to be mindful of every word that every word you speak comes from the breath that God has given you? What would it look like to make sure it comes from the new heart in Christ? Here are three questions to help you understand that. First is this, do you need to bridle your words? Do you need to put a bit in it? And this is about asking the question, does this need to come under the obedience of Christ? It's a powerful thing. My words are powerful. How do I put those under the obedience of Christ so I harness its power for the benefit of of others. Does this mean I need to stop saying some things that are not honoring others, that are not loving others, that are disrespectful of others? Are there unwholesome things in my life that are rotten, unwholesome words that I'm speaking that I, that, that I need to put under the obedience of Christ? But you go, Casey, I can't. Yes, you're right. You can't. <laughs> but Jesus can. Will you join him? Will you ask him? Will you invite him? Will you submit to him? Will you surrender to him? Join him and let the Holy Spirit make you new. Pray Psalm 5110. We're going to pray that here in a second. It says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit 
with me. God, I need a new heart within me. Do you need to put a bit in it and, and allow your words to be submitted to obedience? Or do you need to steer your words? Do you need to steer? Do you need to add direction? See, the, the rudder steers the ship. It's a small thing that, that, that steers the powerful direction of the ships under the powerful winds of culture and life. Do you need to see your words as a rudder that adds direction to the conversation? That you need to, that you, we're not gonna say that in this conversation right here because Christ, we're gonna direct it this way. Do I need to steer the conversation this way? You need to maybe understand that your words are speaking direction to your very own life and you're not even speaking about yourself in view of God's view of you. Maybe you need to today begin to speak differently about who you are. Speak differently about who God sees you to be and not as the world sees, your spouse sees, the, your neighbors see, your friends see, but how God sees you. And speak direction to your own life. Speak direction to your kids. How do you direct it? How do you direct the conversations at work? How do you direct that conversation? Well, we, we're not gonna say that about them. We're gonna direct it over here. The last one is this, is do your words, do you need to quench or drench with your words? He says, your words are like a spring that give life. For those conversations that have sparks flying all around, how can your words quench the fire? How can your words do that? Or how can your words drench the situation? How can you just drench somebody with encouragement? How can you just drench someone and, and, in that, and bring life to them, be a water, a spring of life that gives life to them with your words? It comes from within. And maybe you're here today and you go, Casey, I've never put my trust in Jesus and I need that new heart. Today is your opportunity to receive that new heart in Christ. Jesus lived the perfect life you'd never be able to live. He died to pay the penalty for your sin. And he came back to life to give you new life if you just trust in him and allow him to make your heart new. We're gonna read this Psalm 5110 together. And I want you to read it if you need to be made new today. And for those of us that this is a moment of repentance, let this be our moment of repentance, that we read this together and we ask him, to make our hearts new because everything we think, say, and do comes from a heart that needs to be made new. Will you stand with me? And will you look at the screen and let's pray this out loud collectively. Will you say this? Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Father, in everything we say and everything we do, May it come from a heart that's made.